0: Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we help business leaders like you solve the tough people and process problems that may be slowing your company's growth. Joining me today is Angie Chaplin. Angie is the founder of Mindful Leadership, a consulting practice grounded in leadership research and guided by mindful behavior. Angie is a certified master for the Leadership Challenge and a contributing author to the Leadership Challenge Facilitator's Guide. It's Angie's work with clients to help them identify and daily live out their values that we'll be focusing on today. Welcome, Angie.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Mike. I'm glad it worked out.
0: I'm glad it worked out as well. Um, Our listeners are leaders, and it it just kind of begs the question, if you're going to be an effective leader, values, we hear that batted around, how do you define the term value?
1: Values for me are the essential elements, kind of the building blocks of who and how we live out what's most important to us. So I think Brene Brown talks about them as fundamental truths, as really our our core being, our internal compass, are some of the ways that I talk about values.
0: Now, the context in which we'll be discussing would be probably more in a business setting. However, values, They should be the same regardless if we're talking about a business setting or personal. Is that correct?
1: Uh, Yes, I yes, absolutely. And I see leadership as being universal, Hmm. that how we lead ourselves is how we lead in business, how we lead our families, how we lead our organizations, our volunteer work, all of the different environments where we find ourselves, we have the opportunities to exhibit leadership. And as I talk more and more about leadership, even in corporate settings, it's about leadership at the individual level because it it rolls up. It impacts it starts at the bottom, but feeds its way up towards the top. And when we're guided by our internal values, that's leading ourselves from the inside out and then allowing our behavior to align with those values that then has an impact on our relationships, whether that's business or personal.
0: You know, as we're talking here, I'm trying to envision how this would apply in different settings. One thought is that we have listeners who are business owners, Mm -hmm. and as business owners, they have a, a direct opportunity to be clear on what their values are and make sure that the values of their organization are aligned now it's not different when you're working for a larger organizations but have you found that clarity about values both at the personal level and the organizational level um, is that important
1: Very important. In fact, there's research in the leadership challenge by Jim Cousins and Barry Posner that identifies the correlation between clarity of personal values and clarity of organizational values. When an individual has clarity on both They know who they are. They know who the organization that they are working for, what they stand for. That increases the level of commitment to the organization. When there is a disconnect between an individual leader's personal values and that lack of clarity on the organizational values, a leader can still be committed to their work because it aligns with who they are. There are many organizations that I consult with who understand the importance of having values, but fall short of the importance of demonstrating those values. For example, walk into many organizations and you'll see posters or signs or pictures or something that expresses what they value. If you stop to ask, an employee walking down the hallway, tell me how the work you do aligns with company XYZ's values and they won't have an understanding what those values are or the role that they play in helping the company live those out. I think there's therein lies a fantastic opportunity for growth uh, organizationally, but also with an individual leader knowing how they align and how they connect their values to the organizations.
0: So imagine that you're talking to the key leader of an organization and in your informal or formal survey, you found that the average person you spoke to really could not articulate what those organizations values are. It may be on the wall, but they couldn't really articulate that. How do you in working with key leadership, how do you kind of address that and help them gain clarity and alignment with, when it comes to those values?
1: Um, a lot of that I'll, I'll try to start with where the organization is. So in that scenario, I would want to get a better understanding of what led into the development of those corporate values maybe it's a time to revise them you know values do shift over time especially we we're seeing a lot of that shifting happening as a result of the changing workplace you know values that had stood the test of time pre-covid are now probably shifted to some degree whether the word has changed itself or whether the the behavior that aligns with that value has shifted or changed so i would want to understand you know from a due diligence perspective how did you create these values what were some of the inspiration behind using these values as part of a corporate brand um, package or identity and if if there really isn't an understanding of well why do you have these values um then it's probably time to to redo a values assessment talk with the board members talk with the executive team members and whether that's formally or casually get a understanding from a customer's perspective you know why do you do business with this company and you know putting putting out values or picking, you know, the right words to serve as values should be an intentional process. It shouldn't be looking at a list of words and saying, oh, I like this word and this word and this word and this word and this word. word. Let's make those our values. Those are very superficial. They don't capture the power of an organization or an organizational leader living into and exemplifying those values.
0: You mentioned in our conversation thus far both the word value and the behavior, how those values are kind of acted out right And it sounded to me is that you're putting more emphasis on the behavior than the actual words.
1: I wouldn't say there's more emphasis. I would say that the behavior is observable. So when I see a leader behave or act in a certain way or make a decision, it should exemplify, because I can see it, so it should tell me that what I'm observing is a value in action. It becomes probably the tangible outcome of a value within the organization when I'm able to see what that behavior of an individual looks like
0: you know i may be toggling back and forth from different perspectives another perspective would be that employee that you just kind of ask what is your understanding of the corporate values and just listen to what they might would say Um, it's that behavior you're describing they may not know the exact word choice but they know it when they see it is that a fair statement
1: absolutely absolutely
0: You made an interesting comment, and that is COVID. And you're saying that COVID has had a profound impact. We know it has on the workplace. How might have COVID affected values for an organization or an individual?
1: It was last summer. I think it was July or early August that I was attending an event in Des Moines, Iowa, and commented to a a colleague um, that I had been working with how there's going to be a significant impact of individuals readjusting and having to realign when they go from the luxury of working from home or being able to find what works for them in terms of work-life integration. And then for organizations who thought perhaps that it might go back to pre-COVID normalcy, whatever that looked like. You know, as, as a leader, if a person had the opportunity to spend more time working from home, spending time doing what's important to them, maybe working an hour here, putting their kids down for a nap, and then working some more, And then having had that period of adjustment, then being asked to shove all that aside and return to a more regimented eight to five work schedule, there's going to be a mismatch of values. And as research and stories and and data is telling us now, that's a big part of the great resignation or the great reshuffle or the great re whatever we call it, the great something is happening. And the people that I have worked with have said it's because they were able to rediscover and live into their values to a higher degree when they had greater control over those actions and behaviors and decisions. When called to return to a workplace that was not willing to offer flexibility or the degree of autonomy that a leader might have experienced during COVID, that's where the problems start to become and leaders are choosing their morals and their values And their relationships with themselves, but also with with the people around them, the people that that they care about over money, over the the revenue, you know, and it's really getting back to we need to put our emphasis organizationally and individually back on the relationships and people over revenue and profit.
0: So if you're seeing that and you're working with your clients, how do you advise them to up that game In what ways can they do so
1: as an individual leader? If I'm working, you know, doing one on one coaching with an individual leader, the conversation is to encourage them if they're comfortable doing so talking to their supervisor, talking to their leader, um, not going into that conversation with a list of problems, Mm -hmm. but proposing a viable solution that allows the organization or that person's supervisor to be able to consider some options that they might not have considered. One of the practices of the leadership challenge that I talk about frequently is challenge the process. And that's an opportunity and an invitation, um, both at an individual level as well as an organizational level. So as an individual, you know, they may need to challenge the process of how the organization looks at productivity and looks at hours worked, you know, are you putting the emphasis on time or on output? If you're looking at output, then that's monitored very differently than somebody who is paid by their time. So it's, it's really kind of reevaluating what that looks like and going into it with, with you know, here, here's an opportunity, let's look at challenging the process together organizationally if i'm working with you know the heads of departments or you know CEOs it's inviting them to consider challenging their own processes and rather than waiting for an employee or groups of employees to say well i'm not doing this anymore i'm quitting be proactive and offer more employee friendly and employee centric working arrangements, whatever that might mean, and acknowledging that employees have choice, they have a choice of where they work, especially in today's setting. They need to be aware that those employees have and deserve to have high expectations for feeling that they are a well respected and well compensated, whether that's financially or in terms of flexibility, um, member of that team.
0: Angie, in my introduction, I mentioned that not only are you a certified master in this program called the Leadership Challenge, you've also was a contributor to the Facilitator Guide. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know about the Leadership Challenge, can you give us a little bit feel for it, please?
1: Yes, absolutely. The, the Leadership Challenge is the most widely researched leadership book available on the market. It is built on almost 40 years worth of research into what makes leaders effective enough that we want to follow them. Mm. So it looks at what are the characteristics of admired leaders? what do leaders do behaviorally that make us want to fall in line with them and to support them and to want to struggle for shared aspirations with them that that deck those decades of research led to the creation of the leadership challenge model which is built on the five practices of exemplary leadership i mentioned one of them challenge the process All five are model the way, inspire a shared vision, challenge the process, enable others to act, and encourage the heart. And those practices are universal. I mentioned several times, individually as well as organizationally, but they are also consistently shown to be proven that the more often leaders exemplify behaviors consistent with those five practices the more effective they are in managing their relationships
0: of the five in your experience which of the five do individuals and organizations struggle with the most
1: and and this this is my experience but it's also based on the data and the research as well inspire a shared vision is an area where organizations and leaders struggle which tells us that there's a great opportunity to work on the ways that we are forward-looking. How are we visionary? How are we focusing on what's new, what's next? What can we anticipate? As well as rather than laying out a plan and saying, here's what we're gonna do. You need to do this, you need to do this. That is very different from inspiring a shared vision where an employee sees where we're going but also has the flexibility and independence to say here's how i can help us get there we use martin luther king jr's i have a dream speech as a classic example of inspiring a shared vision and what we mention is that martin luther king jr didn't stand up and say i have a plan for how we're going to address racial injustices he inspired a shared vision of dreams and aspirations and hopes and used imagery and visuals and all the effective communication techniques that we have come to appreciate and lean into when we need to be inspirational and persuasive. So inspiring a shared vision is the, is the practice of all five that research tells us is an area of growth and opportunity for leaders as well as organizations.
0: You know, it's just three words, but I can see why those three words are are challenging. Inspired, shared, vision. Mm -hmm. Each of those, I know you you break them down. Um, The example you gave with Martin Luther King and his ability to use words and pictures to inspire people, people from all walks of life, to look at something maybe with a fresh set of eyes that's a great illustration of it, you know. Angie, as I understand, um, you started your practice, mindful leadership. How long ago was that?
1: Uh, I we launched in October of twenty
0: twenty. Hmm. So I really I love the name of your 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 practice, mindful leadership. Right. Can you elaborate on why you chose those two words to describe your practice?
1: Absolutely. Well, obviously, I started my company during COVID. During. Mm-hmm. the the grand year of 2020, I also launched Mindful Leadership um, after rediscovering my values and leaning into my personal leadership practices um, during recovery from alcohol addiction. And when I entered an intensive outpatient treatment program for alcohol addiction in February of 2020, I was using counseling and group therapy and substance abuse one-on-one sessions to help me stay grounded in my recovery. 40 days later, COVID put a halt to those in-person services Mm -hmm. and not wanting to go back to the decades of struggle that I had just been through. I leaned into any resource that I could think of to stay grounded in my recovery. And those were the five practices of exemplary leadership, but more specifically, rediscovering my values and knowing what the points of my inner compass are, then making conscious decisions about aligning my behaviors. So the mindful aspect was really about choosing and being intentional about my actions and my behaviors leadership is what saved my life mm-hmm. and i have shared my story with jim Coozes and barry posner the authors of the leadership challenge Many times, as well as as, you know, speaking publicly about my experiences using personal leadership uh, as a way to keep me moving forward in recovery. And that when it came to naming my company, I took the two elements that had gotten me where I was in October of 2020. And that was mindful, mindful work, mindfulness and leadership. And that's what led to mindful leadership.
0: A perfect Marriage of those two, it speaks to you uh, in in a a deep and meaningful way. You know, one of the things in keeping with our podcast theme, I would like to ask if you'd be willing to share maybe an example where perhaps you or a client got stuck and when stuck, what did it take to get unstuck?
1: I can tell you that being stuck in active alcohol addiction for 10 years Mm. is the result of being unclear of who I was. And I, I spent a lot of time identifying myself in the roles that I played. So rather than knowing who is Angie, It was Angie as a mom, Angie as an HR director, Angie as an executive team leader, Angie as a community member, community volunteer. It was all the roles. And all of a sudden, I didn't know who I was anymore and tried to fill that confusion or forget that confusion with substances that would ultimately lead to nearly losing my life and understanding as part of that recovery process that values are the way to find myself again and I led myself through a values exercise that is part of the leadership challenge and realized that as I, as I saw my five values laid out on the cards in front of me And my five are love, growth, connection, gratitude, and well-being. As I saw those five words laid out in front of me, I knew that alcohol had no place in keeping me grounded in my values. And those values have continued to guide me in choosing the projects that I invest my time and energy in, uh, looking at what types of courses I want to develop, what types of stories and articles and eventually books that I, I want my story to be part of. And being a values based leader is really at the at the heart and soul of all of them.
0: You mentioned a 10 year battle and not to say the battle is over by any means. Did you recognize 10 years ago that you had an issue
1: Oh, it started how many of the stories that I've heard from other leaders in long-term recovery where when we struggle um, with anything, life, you know, life throws us a curveball that we weren't expecting. If we don't have effective and healthy ways to cope through that, then it becomes very tempting to turn to alcohol. You know, let's face it, our society, our workplaces, our culture glamorizes alcohol. It's, yes. it's a part it's a part of, of life in general. And, and so having that easy access, having that that glamour, so to speak, of an addictive substance makes it easy to turn to that as a way to to numb what we're feeling or to escape from feeling kind of the, the yucky aspects of stress. Uh, I thought it was normal to use alcohol as a way to cope. Um, I, I quickly learned that it was becoming a problem um, on my relationships, on my marriage, I was married at the time, on my productivity, on, on my family. And it's, it had no place in me essentially being and becoming the leader that I'm meant to be. So what started as kind of a normal, hey, it's five o'clock somewhere, let me take the edge off with a glass of wine, eventually became three bottles of wine Mm. daily. And that, of course, is what led to nearly life-altering circumstances.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. You know, as we kind of reflect on what we've discussed, the the kind of the, the central theme was values. What are they? How do you identify them? If you conclude that your behavior or your organization's behavior does not align with that, what should be done to address that? And you've spoken both from a personal standpoint and from a leadership standpoint. You've also shared how you're using the leadership challenge when you're working with clients and you have kind of woven into your personal story where there's some very specific lessons that you learn. Mm -hmm. Um, and as you kind of reflect on our conversation, what kind of things do you want to make sure our listeners hear? And what do you want those takeaways to be?
1: For me, the foundation is knowing who we are and what we stand for. And that, again, goes back to our values. I would challenge listeners to ask themselves, what do they stand for? Mm. It's typical and it's common to. Perhaps know what those are, but be unable to articulate them. And that's where the invitation to explore values coaching or values assessments or values workshops is a great place to start that can look like a variety of different things you know there are books if people want to buy a book on values you know, Mary Gentile has one called "Giving Voice to Values," and there's there's multiple ways to do it. If working one-on-one with a coach seems to be a valid opportunity, that's available. There's a wide array of actions that can be taken toward identifying and clarifying one's values. Of course, the the emphasis has to be on taking action to leverage those resources. But I I wholeheartedly believe and am living proof that it starts with knowing our values.
0: You know, you mentioned that it's one thing to know it, but then the taking action part Mm -hmm. has to come into play. Right. Do you find individuals and organizations sometimes struggle with, they they know what they need to do, but they struggle with actually doing it?
1: Yes and no. I, I think the once they once they know so once they know what their values are, then it becomes a little bit easier to develop a an action plan. And so for me, I use leadership growth action plans or L gap. Um, and then the L gap is really what creates that mindfulness or that that intentionality around. Okay, here are my values and nowhere do i see my behaviors connecting there is the content to be fed into an l gap and then by monitoring the l gap and looking at okay what are the regular actions that you're taking daily weekly monthly to increase the deliberate actions that you're taking and that and that intentionality around making some changes uh, that's really where the rubber meets the road and, mm. and where the true results are going to be found.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add as a takeaway?
1: Lean into understanding who we are is the greatest gift we can give ourselves.
0: Mm. Mm. Very well said. Thank you. You've actually said quite a bit that I think is very noteworthy. Um, I am convinced there will be people listening to this podcast, watching this podcast, who want to learn more. What's the best way for people to connect with you?
1: I am active on social media. So LinkedIn is a great way to see what I've posted. I'm a regular contributor of information and articles and stories on LinkedIn. My website is www.angiechaplin dot com and i have my upcoming events posted there as well as some background information and simply finding me on facebook on instagram um, other twitter i'm active on twitter so one way or another if someone wants some more information i'm pretty easy to find
0: so we're going to make sure we include those ways to reach out to you in the show notes perfect Angie, this has been a real pleasure to spend time with you. We're recording this in the afternoon. Thank you for spending a portion of your afternoon with me and with our listeners.
1: Yes, my pleasure, Mike. Thank you.
0: I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. We upload the latest episode weekly to all the major platforms. So if you haven't already, please subscribe. Got a question for you. Actually, two. Is your company growing quickly? Are you worried you don't have the right people and processes in place to handle the increased workload? If yes, please talk. Let's get on a phone call. Head to bench-builders.com to schedule a quick call. We'll explore ways to help you solve those nagging problems so you can scale faster and scale smarter. So I wanna thank you for joining us. And I hope you've picked up some tips from Angie that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.